0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Keith and Mike watch Deep Space Nine. It is a rainy Tuesday morning for us. Hope you're having a good day. We are talking about Season 2, Episode 6, Melora. Mike, how you doing? Keith,
1: I'm doing great. So excited to be with you today. I'm going to put the slate on the screen. Uh, It is, you know, it's it's only, it's rained for three days here, and for some reason, I've already entered into my winter depression malaise because three days of of rain and gloominess has done it to me. So, I was excited to jump on the station last night and shake, shake, shake my Melora with all of our patrons, and I'm happy to be here today to talk about it with you.
0: And uh, in the interest of uh, reduced reusing and recycling, because that's what we do here, uh, we are going to find out if this is a great episode or a Melbora We're going to find out. (laughs) Oh, it was terrible last week. It's worse this week. (laughs) It's just, you know, it's not like chili. You know how chili is always better the second time? Yeah. Or the third, if you freeze it and unfreeze it, like it gets better and better. Our jokes, they started out bad. It's like warming up McDonald's. Mmm. There it is. But uh, we have some exciting news this week. And that is we have some new friends and patrons on our Patreon which you can find at patreon.com slash and K&M. And on there, we got AMAs. We have bonus episodes. We have watching Mike watch Melora and all of the other exciting things. We're going to have some bonus episodes. We're going to interview my brother who worked on the show. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, Mike, who has joined us and who are all of their friends?
1: Uh, you know, some people get sheepish because they don't have a ton of patrons but the fact that we have any I'm so proud of our team astounding I, it 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 like it just brings joy to my heart to welcome and congratulate and thank our dear friends Brian Kaufman Casey, Casey Clark Cloud Lover 69 Jason Mo Jorge Novoa and The Mysterious our new friend gaming account Alan Zimmerman, CRM Productions, Charles Babbage, and another dear new friend. Thanks for reaching out. Thanks for joining the team. Grim Toys, Uh, we are just over the moon to have uh, assembled such a sniper crew
0: of... uh, Uh, For sure. And gaming account or Grim Toys, if you would like us to use your real name, let us know. We're... we're, I I, I think, you know, being associated with us is something that should happen by consent. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I did reach what out to Grim. Grim.
1: Grim. Let us know that that's that's the, how they'd like to be. Uh, okay, great. So yeah, and I believe they're Grim I, I, no. underscore Toys on Instagram, and they said that that's cool to uh,
0: to reach. Okay, up. yeah. Now, now, I, no, I, because I have not reached out because I've been out of town for a wedding. D- does Grim Toys d- is that a line of toys or is a, a toy reviewer or?
1: Uh, to be fair, do you know? I have not been able to do my crack research just yet. I also was out well, of town Grim for toys, a wedding. Let yeah. us
0: know because we, we will be more than happy to plug whatever it is uh, that you're doing. Because I don't know, it sounds fun to me. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, uh, anyway, so uh, you can join them at patreon.slash dot com wow, slash K yeah. and M spell out that and uh and if you can't do that that's a million percent fine I totally understand but you can like and subscribe that costs nothing telling a friend that also costs nothing so uh by all means come join it's super super fun uh with all of our nonsense thank you so much for watching and thanks to so our patrons I, who have sent questions for our next AMA we're gonna get to them yes this this week we're gonna yeah. we're gonna throw down an AMA and uh and perhaps we might be uh, putting up the uh, unaired pilot of our new show, which we're also probably going to record this week. We might, uh, on on our, you know, we're going to release the show for real, but we might just put up our, our final dress rehearsal, Patreon only. Mm-hmm. We'll see, a little beta test, see how it all goes, and you can watch us screw up because you've never seen that before on the show. Fresh content.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's get into well, it, Keith, because we have an, a really... I would say an issue episode this week. So we,
0: we absolutely yeah. have an issue episode this week, uh, which aired. You know, I, we're recording this in real life on October fourth, so we are deep into the spooky Halloween Janice, season. My wife is setting up the Halloween village as we speak. Oh yeah, this the, our house. We pumpkins on the uh, on the stoop. We're we're full Halloween already. Uh, and guess what? This episode aired also on Halloween in 1993. Uh, And we were, of course, listening to the amazing cover that Mike is singing of, once again, for the last time, Dream Lover by Mariah Carey or Mariah Carey performed. I don't know if Mariah Carey wrote it or not.
1: Yeah, Keith, I want to say, you know... uh... Last week we started something, and I'm going to continue doing it because, you know, it's been so nice for us to get a few extra subscribers every week and to see those numbers tick up. And so I'm reaching out to those on the youtube who might need that same help. In fact, a friend of ours, not really a friend, but is now because we're using his song, uh, Dalton— Does Ca- that make you friends? Dalton Caldis did a great cover of Mariah Carey's Dream Lover, only six subscribers on YouTube. This only has 100 views on YouTube. Uh, so 101 now. We're getting it up. Uh, thank you, Dalton Caldas. Bring us in. Yeah. What? Yeah, Dalton.
0: Dalton. Okay. Dalton's in the original key. I love it. That's the only way to tell you know. I, I do know. All right, let's look, get into a verse here,
1: Dalton. How about it? This is the last week, Mariah. So thanks for all the weeks of joy. Yeah. I need a lover to give me. Oh, does not baritone. Kind of that
0: I need to take me
1: away. All right. Dalton Caldas right. on YouTube. Let's get him up to 10 subscribers.
0: Yes, indeed. Dalton Caldus. Go find it. All right, so you know what you would find if you went to the movie theaters this week? Of course, it would be The Nightmare Before Christmas, the the uh, classic Halloween film. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it's The Nightmare Before Christmas, also a musical. We're musical folks. Really, uh, just, really good um, fun. Just did a rewatch this past weekend, went to a
1: birthday party, and uh, it was a little kid birthday party, and they were all rocking to Hocus Pocus 2
0: and Nightmare Before Christmas. Well, there it is. And for them it's like a, you know, an old-timey movie, but for us it was like, I saw, I saw that when it, when it first came out. So, uh what else were we watching perhaps on the television, Mike?
1: Yeah, Keith. Well, you know, Lois and Clark was the new adventure Superman still kicking, but there was an extra special Halloween ver- uh, episode of America's Funniest Home Videos. Uh, oh, which one of their highest? The Bob
0: Saget version,
1: the original. Yes, one. Yes, yeah. the original. Uh, in fact, I was watching some on YouTube while I was looking it up. Uh, really funny. People's Halloween. Uh, it was basically YouTube before YouTube. Not basically. It was exactly was that. So that was on ABC. Sixty Minutes was followed by a virtual murder on Murder She Wrote. Uh, Ooh. And, but a most.
0: Virtual, <laughs> I will let them know what they thought the internet was I know, in nineteen ninety three. But.
1: It's so I was just thinking because South Park is airing their twenty-fifth season, The Simpsons is the only show that has more seasons than that. And The Simpsons mm-hmm. back in ninety-three was running the Tree House of Horror Two and Tree House of Horror Three. That's where we wow. were in the Simpsons. So uh that's what was on. Oh, just kidding. They then then Tree House of Horror Four and the Tree House of Horror Five. Okay, they were doing The Simpsons was clearly doing a Tree House of marathon. Horror marathon, yeah, on Fox.
0: Yeah. It's pretty amazing. They had the ability to do a marathon in 1993, and they're still running. Yeah, so that's what was like on our. Say, tubes. say what you will. What
1: was on? Uh, uh, what, no. what were we doing in the trick
0: first, Keith? Uh, well, I, I'm. You're not I'm ready gonna, to segue gonna, yet.
1: You're not ready to segue.
0: No, I'm okay. not. Re- no, I'm not ready to segue because I have a. I, I have a, a, a piece of useless trivia. Oh, okay. Already here because uh do you know who was who played Jack Skeleton in? Uh, in uh Nightmare Nightmare Before Christmas. The guy who did the score, right? The oingo boy guy, Danny Elfman. It was not a Danny Elfman. Uh he did he did he did all the singing for um he he wrote the music. He a million percent did. He did all the singing for Willy Wonka. But uh the person who played uh Jack Skilleton was Chris Sarandon, who uh of course you would know from a million different things. Mike uh, Mike thinks, sorry, we're gonna do this on air.
1: Okay. I think Danny Danny Elfman did the singing voice of
0: Jack
1: did Pumpkin. Sing- oh, okay. Let's look it up. Let's b- be sure because now we're here. Okay. All
0: right. Well, we're. D- <laughs> Who's looking it up? Uh, Who's, are you continuing the show, and I'll look it up. Uh, or are you in? No, no, you're no. I, I, I can. I can. I, I'm already here. I'm already on IMDb. Let us find out. Uh, voice, voice, voice. Where is Danny Elfman singing voice of Jack Skellington? Okay. You, you're darn right.
1: I got that right, but uh, I
0: did call him Jack Pumpkin, so I was also wrong. <laughs> David S. Skeleton? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the, the the point is, Chris Sarandon is going to have a very memorable guest spot oh. on Deep Space Nine okay. coming up pretty soon. Cool. So, uh, so there you go. Chris Sarandon gets around. All right, so uh, it is not quite time to say what, uh, what what Next Gen was doing because it is time to hit the hard news. Oh yeah, are you ready mm-hmm. you ready for the hard news here yeah, on Halloween, Halloween edition in 1993? Well, let me tell you, it was there are three month old miracle baby twins. One of them is 26 pounds, and the other is. Five. And both are doing fine, says the doctors. Oh, good. Good, good, good. If Great you'd like to be news. on the show. In
1: fact, if any of you are watching any of those two twins, reach out. We'd love to have you on.
0: Yeah. Well, congratulations. Mm-hmm. Wow, what a what a miracle, baby. 26 pounds. That's a lot. That's, that's I that's think a lot. the
1: miracle isn't the babies. It's that the mom got up and walked away at some point.
0: Uh indeed. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. So uh there you go. Hard hitting news you can only get here on Keith and Mike. Watch Deep Space Nine. So let's talk about this episode. Here, Melora. It was directed by Weinrich Colby, who last directed The Siege. And it was written by Evan Summers, who had last uh, who did the story, who last wrote on Battle Lines. With a teleplay by Summers, Stephen Baum, who this is his only Trek, Michael Piller, and James Crocker, who last wrote on Cardassians. So a lot of hands in the pot now, is he on Brother episode. or husband of Betty? This has been Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. Thank you for watching. All right. Comedian? (laughs) It's the other show. The other show. (laughs) So I feel like that's a great way to uh, transfer over to an even more trivial segment, Mike. Now Keith waste your time with Trivial Trivia All right, I have some very interesting stuff to talk about in Trivial Trivia this week. I say that every week, but this week is super interesting. So, uh, first off, Mike, did you know that the character that would eventually be Dax was originally planned to be similar to Melora, i.e. coming from a low-gravity environment? That's cool. But it was too expensive to do on a regular basis. Uh, so then they went to the trill idea, which I think ended up being a great decision um so that's interesting uh the next thing you know we we don't do a lot of credits, but I just thought this was interesting uh Ron Taylor, the guy who plays the Klingon chef has two Tony nominations he was awesome he was nominated as a book writer and featured actor both for it ain't nothing but the blues and uh as a, as, a, as a Little Shop fan, you'd like to know he was the original voice of the plant in Little Shop Off Broadway? way back when, yeah. off-Broadway. And continuing on our Broadway theme, because, you know, that's what we do. They mention the Little Mermaid mm-hmm. in this episode. And uh, do you know which one of our main cast members was in the Little Mermaid, the animated version, the Disney one?
1: I don't know, No
0: perhaps playing the part of the French chef, a certain constable. René Aubergrois voiced the part of the chef, and then my buddy John Tracy Egan originated on Broadway. Cool. Uh, He has a great story about residuals he didn't know about. Uh, Great. So, next up, Evan Summers, the writer, was originally a Writers Guild intern when they were back discussing the idea of using this character as the science officer, i.e. Dex, And then he later came back and pitched it as an episode. So he remembered that they were thinking about doing that. Uh, So, trivial trivia number four. Evan Summers, the writer, was originally a Writer's Guild intern on Deep Space Nine when they were discussing the idea of having a character who's the science officer be a low-gravity environment. He later came back in season two, and pitched it as an idea for an episode. And he also uses a wheelchair and wrote this episode partially in response to the Next Generation episode, Ethics, the one that you reference a lot uh, about the paralyzed wharf, mm. because he did not like the message that that episode sent. So in, on some levels, this is a soft sequel and kind of rebuttal of that episode from Next Generation. Uh, Next up, they were originally going to use the anti-grav technology for her wheelchair and bring back the chair from Too Short a Season, from Next Generation Season 1. But, interestingly, uh, and uh, probably appropriately for the theme of the episode, discovered it was too big to navigate the narrower Deep Space Nine sets. And lastly, they kept the flying rigging up. All the way through season five, because they expected to bring Melora back. Hmm. They eventually scrapped it to make room for Redacted, because Mike doesn't need to know yet what they scrapped it for to make room for. All right, so that's Trivial Trivia. It is now time to talk about what was Next Generation doing? Well, next generation was doing Dark Page, the episode in which Luwaxana Troy is driven to a mental breakdown by Kirsten Dunst. Uh, which is now I don't think I ever clocked the airing of these to to have her on Deep Space 9 before this episode comes out. Um it's very interesting because she has it, she gives a astounding acting performance in this episode. I'm not sure the episode is good, but her performance in it is amazing. Um, And we have a, I think it's a um, pre-interview with the vampire, Kirsten Dunst. So, uh, anyway, interesting, interesting to me, at least, Mike has his
1: own trivial trivia. Oh, do tell. If I can make it work. So this, as I was looking it up, this week or this month excuse me mm-hmm. uh as we were had our two trek shows we had our uh, uh, TNG and this and Deep Space 9 guess who graced the cover of the TV guide who did look at that
0: patrick stewart
1: there, oh there he was so one uh, of many times Picard lets his hair
0: down there you mm-hmm. go i see what they did there no. uh patrick stewart it's uh, a good looking dude it's yeah. just there's no getting around it that's a uh, and also like he's barely aged in 30 years. It's nuts, right? It's really crazy. It's amazing. I, I think just being a good dude just keeps you keeps you young, which explains how why we look the way we look. Not not good. Yeah. All right. So our guest stars this week include Daphne Ashbrook as Malora, Peter Crombie as Failet Cott. Don Stark, not Stark, Don Stark as Ashcrocked. See, I had the ash already already, uh, built into my brain in the ram. He also played Nikki the Nose in First Contact. And the aforementioned Ron Taylor as the Klingon chef. And the only thing more romantic than the Klingon chef scenes are Mike's delivery of coffee from CEO Jen, his wife, while we're live on air. Oh, it- it's such a TV trope and it's
1: it's actually – it's gotten less and less must-have because more and more uh, people cross over from the musical theater world. But it's mm-hmm. funny how in the, the early aughts and the 90s, if you were a Broadway person or had could sing and you were guest starring or co-starring on a television show, mm-hmm. they found a way to manipulate the plot in some way – Happenstance, so that you had to sing something, and uh, no difference here. You see it in Prime Effect.
0: <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> Although one I'm... of the most awkward serenade scenes I've ever seen. I mean, but it's 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 hilarious. I think the Klingon chef or the is, Does, is one is of my he recurring? Because he's great. Uh, we, we might we might see more. Great. This Absolutely might not be awesome. our last scene at the Klingon restaurant. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's hilarious. All right, Mike. I think it's time to discuss the episode. What do you say? Keith,
1: let's hum Take our us way away.
0: In. <clears throat>
1: Warm up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I have to say, I had a long drive this weekend, and I just popped on our latest episode to hear what it sounded like. That is a particularly special moment in the uh, audio production of this. <laughs> yeah. All right. So here we are, Deep Space Nine, Season 2, Episode 6, Malora. We begin with Bashir giving a first medical officer's log of the series. So we're we're starting to expand. Other people get to do our little uh little intro of a uh, medical physician, and he and O'Brien are preparing for the first Alasian member of Starfleet, and she is from a planet with very low gravity, so she's much weaker in our type of gravity, which actually, considering uh all of space and time and and where all of the other sentient species might be coming from I imagine that would be a pretty common thing mm-hmm. because no two planets are likely to have the same gravity so I mean even just from here to the moon or on any other planet within our solar system the gravity is going to be very different so I think it's a uh, I mean for obviously convenience it's really hard to have every species have a different gravity uh, needs but uh yeah that's Imagine to be pretty common. So he shows off the wheelchair. He's designed because Starfleet anti-grav chairs don't work on Deep Space Nine for reasons discussed previously.
1: The Cardassians were like, no, we 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 aren't going to have any of no no ADA compliance on this on this space station.
0: No, no, the Cardassians are like defiantly anti that.
1: Which she uh, makes reference to later, which is kind of a great little Easter egg that I, I appreciate. Yeah,
0: no, it's like they're they're so anti woke they put it, they they put a problem in every uh, doorway. So uh, he tells Dax, uh, Bashir does that. Malora comes from a planet with low gravity. We mentioned that O'Brien explains that the Cardassian station has lots of places she won't even be able to get to. And when he suggests using a transporter, Bashir says she refuses all help beyond the most basic needs. And he says it in a way that proves he is already deeply in love with this woman. And uh, when they roll the chair across the carpet on the promenade, we can see it has a giant stain right in the middle of the carpet. Yeah, I noticed that too. I I can't believe, was somebody murdered there? (laughs) and They didn't bother to pick it up. I mean, I, you know, they're look. They're relying on the fact that this is in standard definition, and they almost never see the feet. But uh, I was surprised they didn't uh, with with the budget of this show. They didn't clean the carpet.
1: I, I will say this: this season's been interesting to me because I am not watching via Paramount Plus. I will say, I am watching through a rip of the show I got from
0: a colleague, fell off of the back
1: of a truck from a colleague, and mm-hmm. uh, it has been. Uh, up-resed to high definition and sixteen by nine. Oh, it has, mm-hmm. and it oh. looks incredible. In fact, the screenshots you're seeing are from that up The AI that.
0: Oh, I, I I thought the screenshots looked really good. Yeah. Oh, you, that need to, might need to fall off the truck onto my house. <laughs> 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 yeah. Can, can, can it can it fall off into the dropbox? Yeah. <laughs> You know,
1: ironically, you share those files with me via Dropbox, but I don't have edit access. So well, we can talk about that. That's for a different podcast.
0: It's <laughs> probably for the best. Yeah. Uh, Dropbox, if you would like to sponsor us or Google Drive, because one of us will proselytize for uh, Dropbox and the other one is a Google Drive idiot. So uh, we will talk about it on air
1: yep. happily. Uh, so I'll bring it up now before we move on. The the, the uh, we've already reached the inherent biggest problem of the episode for me in that we're in the future, right? They mm-hmm. have the technology to have her have anti gravity in her chambers. She has a bionic suit when we first see her. What technology has not advanced past wheelchair? Uh,
0: well, I guess not. Uh, see, technology has advanced. So far, but nothing can overcome plot, necess- plot necessity. Yeah, it's it's like you're playing D and D and you're trying to kill a a, a story buffed character. Like there's nothing you can do. It's gonna be protected.
1: Yeah, it's got
0: story sure protection. Right. That's that's just what it is. Um. Then so we meet Melora as she struggles to get through an airlock with a uh, with a metal support suit and a cane, and she meets. Uh, Bashir and Dax but refuses help again and she's pissed immediately that O'Brien modified her chair then we see her chair go over ramps they installed on the set um, because the uh, you know and and this is one of the things um, that uh, Evan Summers the writer of the episode talked about was uh, this episode has some, you know, a lot of discussion about the difficulties with moving along the Deep Space Nine. Well, there was also a lot of difficulties for him to move around the set on Paramount. And so it, it is that we are definitely breaking the fourth wall or having some, um, certainly a, a lot of dovetailing with reality here. So uh, Bashir hands her the remote for the gravity in her quarters, and she immediately tells him to peace out. And that is our teaser. Uh, an interesting way to to cut to credits there, mm-hmm. um, and uh, w- w- we can tell immediately this is going to be, like you said, and uh, it's an issue episode and not necessarily um, like some big giant calamitous story. So,
1: but that but
0: an issue episode,
1: especially this early on, teased brings up a host of questions, which I was excited about, and one of them being this is not a new issue in fact and so what are they mm-hmm. going to what can science fiction bring to this issue uh, how can how is it going to which prism will it hold up so that we can have a different a different look and yeah i think they make some interesting choices i think they also uh, there are some missed opportunities that we'll get into but uh the, but so even even then i think the sense of rage inside of her and indignity uh is Palpable. I think the performance, which I think is an just a, an astounding performance, top to bottom, starts off really strong, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm excited to talk
0: more. Yeah, well, we have some interpersonal tension as well as the issue, so that's interesting. Uh, uh,
1: one last question to you, yeah. because uh, maybe I missed it in the exposition-heavy teaser. How does Bashir know her? Did they go to school together?
0: Uh, or- he doesn't know her at all. But before she was transferred to the station, they sent a bunch of information about what she was going to need, and they Zoomed ahead of time.
1: Oh, so he Facebook's doctor, basically.
0: Yeah, he he Facebook, 100% Facebook's doctor, and uh, we know Bashir's gonna do that. Yeah. He's gonna be like, uh, you know, sliding into her DMs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we begin Act 1 in Quark's, and a rat alien is interested in a gold bracelet that Quark is selling him. They celebrate... The deal by COVID bumping elbows, <laughs> then Handleface shows up and he scares the crap out of Quark. They've got a history, and he's like, "I've come back to kill you."
1: I mean, he has an so, upside down penis nose.
0: Yeah, well, see, I I, I went for handle for the children, oh, but okay. but look at because he's like it's a door handle. He's even got the the little nubs there.
1: Oh, okay, but if you like look at it the other way, it's like. It's like well, an upside down penis.
0: It it also looks like an upside down penis or just <laughs> look the kids know Everybody, you know. Yeah, well and to be fair, you, 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 you got all the equipment there. You got the penis and the butt. <laughs> 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 oh. Milk milk lemonade. Okay. Uh so we continue. And Malora can not see it now. No, it's And he's bad. supposed to be the big bad. He's supposed to be scary. Thus far, it feels like you could just grab him by the handle and just drag him around the whole world. What's his name? What's the bad guy's name? Uh, The bad guy's name is Valet Cot. Okay, so butt bean. But yeah, it's not going (laughs) to (laughs) stick. So Malara goes to meet Cisco, and she's already pissed that they've been talking about her before she got there and she wants to pilot the runabout solo then she has to get out of her wheelchair just to get into Cisco's office because of those steps so we're we're seeing issues you know and and that's the part that i like about you know how they handle this i you know i don't really know enough to speak eloquently about um you know how somebody with this would would feel about this episode, right? But it does certainly call into atten- call it to attention like the 10,000 little things a day that people who do not have to use a wheelchair don't ever think about. And mm-hmm. yet those decisions you have to really start thinking about. And, you know, my friends who use wheelchairs, they have to like think about so many more things a day just getting from point A to point B, and especially in New York City, you know, where, where a lot of the... I mean, hardly any of the subways have elevators, so you can't use the subway.
1: It, it's and, it's funny too because in our on our planet in our society, this is very much a about ableism, and yeah. you know, be it people with disabilities in a wheelchair. I, I I said this in the watch along too. Like I'm not as well versed on the the proper nomenclature so i apologize i and no mean mean any offense if i say something incorrectly or whatnot i'm just my plebeian yeah. brain only knows what i know um but also uh little people or d- dwarfism the same type of thing right where our, our society is built for average sized people Able with, people yeah yep percent. Yep, what's cool so far is that this episode is not addressing that that is not the focus of this episode. This is – it's it, this is her species, right? That's just who she is. It's not that she has any sort of medical concern. She's just – that's her species. And so yep. it actually – She ex- is
0: able-bodied for her species. Yeah,
1: she's – yeah. so the problem is being sort of extrapolated to f- full-blown racism, speciesism, however we say that, uh, or – in, in, in effect so it's kind of an interesting it it, it actually net zooms in by zooming out if that makes any sense
0: well and yeah and it and it becomes it, be, it sort of becomes a slightly different it becomes a flowers for Algernon story mm-hmm. but um but it's a um yeah no it, it is interesting and it, it's tough to do because we know that our station itself when you zoom out and think about species right just mm-hmm. like the fact that the station breathes oxygen. Right, and right. that they're all carbon-based life forms, and we know that there are plenty of other things that would never be able to set foot on it in any way, shape, or form. So the adaptations have to would have to be in real life. If there was a real deep space, not have to be endless different types of adaptations. Um, anyway, so Melora explains that she's used to hearing about the Melora problem, and she doesn't want to be treated like someone who is ill. She tells us about her background and that she's determined not to be seen as handicapped. The word that she uses. Uh, She wants to only work alone, but Cisco says, "Nope, you're going with Dax." Um, You know, and she explains that I want to work alone so I can work at my own pace, and and problem solve. And I think that that is another way in which, um, you know. We're ableist in our society. A lot of people are perfectly capable doing of doing anything, but everyone's pace is a little bit different. And we don't usually make allowances for that. And I think that um that's certainly something that could happen here. Although I think I don't think Cisco's issue was her pace. Sisko's Cisco's issue is you can't just take out our <laughs> take out our ship by yourself as an ensign. Um but uh later, Bashir shows up at Malora's to check on her. And she mentions that going into low gravity is like going into a warm tub. And you can see Bashir's space boner from orbit. Uh, He's very excited about that. He claims that she seems to attack everyone, to keep everyone on the defensive and apart from her. But it's not working for him. And he asks her out to the Klingon restaurant.
1: I think this is an extraordinary exchange, and you can absolutely tell it was written by someone with with a keen insight, uh, and mm. empathy, because yeah. it's very easy to fall into the trope or the trap that oh, here's a person and they are not aware of, and, and the people and uh, the the crew is unaware of how they can how they're being ableist by X Y Z, but but that's not how they approach it. There, everybody has a lot of compassion and a lot of concern, and they're trying to help her. And Bashir is able to call out her sort of defense in it, defenses, def, defensiveness, and both express that he understands it and he hears her, but also that it is ill placed and unnecessary. And he and and it's a really, I think, compassionate, realistic yeah. exchange, just full of empathy on both sides. And I just found it to be a really beautiful scene.
0: Yeah. Well, and I I I do too. I mean the the defense mechanisms that we all put up, right? Everybody puts up these defense mechanisms and sometimes it's being crunchy, sometimes it's being distant, sometimes it's being whatever and somebody's seeing through that and meeting it with compassion and understanding being seen as opposed to being, you know, attacked back or whatever is is the, like you said, it's a really well-written scene there where there's sort of and she's aware of what she's doing too and i i like that as well Mm -hmm. right he calls ron she's like yeah that's exactly what i'm doing so it's not like she's this wounded creature who's unaware of her defense mechanism she's like yeah i know exactly what i'm doing and exactly why i'm doing it and i think that's uh, i like that uh but he asks her out and she's like "Yeah, yeah all right so uh there we go we begin act two and quark tries to mollify handleface with dinner but um his mouth is covered by the fleshy let's call it a handle so he has to eat the food from the sides mm-hmm. from the side of his mouth um i'm not sure how where in the evolutionary stage that's a practical thing what advantage
1: yeah well the good news though is that it's not just side mouth keith he also gets a little side boob here
0: Oh, oh! don't worry. I mentioned the side boob. Don't you worry. Uh, then, he, my next sentence, then he doubles down uh, on mollifying him with under boob sex workers. <laughs> awesome. So you can see why Keith and I work together quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize to the universe.
1: Keith, quick ex- extraction here. Yeah. Is there another trick of the treks you've trekked that, uh-huh has as awesome on a consistent basis, monster's creature design. Every episode, just even in the background, people with incredibly unique designs Mm. that we don't even focus the camera on sometimes.
0: Well, I'll say this, Um, you know, as we move forward, the creature designs get, get better and, and get more interesting. And certainly the contemporary Trek, you know, they're able to do incorporating CG and all this other stuff. Um, but I think Deep Space Nine is, I think you're right. It's probably has the most consistently diverse, diverse creature design because when you're on the ship, it's mostly our main characters and then our creatures of the week, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, on the Star Trek, they'll go to like the, the trading planet and it will be, you know, the Cantina world. But Deep Space Nine is that every single week. Yeah, it's really um, beautiful. It's, it's remarkable and had to be so much fun for Westmore and the other designers to be like, you must like, you have, to, you have to deal with the stuff of the week, right? But also, you're just sitting around, anything you can think of, you just start working on because you're going to use it someday later, either in background or as a new character. Like, just never stop coming up with cool creature ideas. Um, had to be so much fun. So we arrive at the Klingon restaurant, and Bashir offers to order for them both. Doctor, no. Never order for someone else, especially your date. Well, no,
1: there's a time and a place. For what? For a four-year-old, maybe. Well, I think sometimes if you were to go to a restaurant of a different... That you're that you someone is unfamiliar with that the cuisine they might say oh just
0: order for me order something oh well if for so, me. if yes. well, I mean if somebody like says would you please recommend some things yeah sure
1: well Keith a lesser show would have that happen or a better show would have that happen and then have that person be put in their place
0: indeed so uh, he orders a bunch of nonsense gross Klingon food but then she notices of course that the rock is half dead she yells at the klingon in klingon and they get the good stuff uh of course then uh, we see a couple of packlids coming to order next which i thought was a great little detail we never even see their face but we know that packlid costume any day so uh later on that date and of course uh she, what she she thinks is uh is 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 old food cuz it's half dead You want to eat your racht and your gach live. Mm -hmm. That's what Klingons do. Uh, Despite the fact that Federation is mostly vegetarian now, but whatever. Uh, It's fine. You know, for Klingons, it doesn't count. So later on the date, uh, Bashir tells the story of why he became a doctor. He says when he was a child, he watched a girl die and found out later that she could have been treated with a simple herb that was growing all around. Uh, But before he became a doctor, he tried to become a professional tennis player. Um, But I think it's a very interesting story. Um, And such his game has so vastly improved from season one. Well, it helps
1: when the other when the the opposite party has an interest from the start anyhow, because she's clearly kind of digging on him, too. So that helps.
0: Well, sure. Well, uh, but in season one, there there was that scene where he was r- romancing a Bajoran woman with mm-hmm. bragging about how he came in sex. He was salutitarian, not valedictorian. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I he is he's found a way to like put the obnoxious on the on the on the down low,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and uh, yeah, and it's and it's an interesting backstory for him. So the next morning, Dax goes to pick up Malora, only to discover that she's fallen out of her chair trying to get something from storage. She asks the very reasonable question, why there would be a raised lip at the entrance to every door on the station. Um, Which I believe I asked before. Like our second episode, I think. Yeah. I mean, it looks cool, but in no way, shape, or form is that practical in any way. Yeah, but it looked cool. It looked Cool. Um, and I would imagine that, from a design standpoint, maybe there—that's like a reference to a bulkhead, which you see on naval ships, right, where they have those bulkhead doors. That, so they do have the lip there because they need to get a tight seal. Um, and I and I guess this would be true here as well, except for the bulkheads are force fields, and so you don't necessarily well need and generally, to have that kind of you know,
1: door. I think s- stations, especially if they're military stations, are are designed specifically a use case designed and they were designed for military Cardassians who are tall and can step over crap
0: Yeah, Uh, it is interesting though uh, to go back to what Bashir was saying that he wanted to be a professional tennis player Uh, so pro sports do still exist but tennis outlasted baseball so I don't know it's out there so the next morning we already said that uh, they t- they go to the infirmary, and she's fine, but very embarrassed. But she reminds her that everyone is dependent on each other in some way, especially in space, which I think is a very good point, um, and that she should not feel shame for the ways in which she is dependent, uh, and nor should anybody.
1: And but I she- think it's a really beautiful and difficult thing to express in that because it's very once again the black and white way to portray someone is defiant and uh overcoming and she's and and here they're showing that in her quest for in that independence and to prove everybody not even wrong because nobody's like saying she can't do these things but yeah. to prove her capabilities she has an accident uh and then gets into that self kind of the shame, yes, but also self-flagellation, in that she's like, "Oh, not only did I ruin this for myself, but I've ruined the poop of the point I'm trying to prove." And he's like, "Yo, yo, yo, yeah. yo, calm down," continually to sh- express that compassion. So once again, I think, and I loved learning that uh, that the writer has uh, is coming with that with, with a special insight because she, it really feels like the dialogue and her as her performance really portrays something specific.
0: And and I I, I think were he not. I feel like I would. I'd feel a little icky about some of this mm-hmm. because, um, because of the stereotype of the defiant, like I'm going to be whatever, and yet be ineffectual in doing it, and then like the the benevolent able-bodied person is able to s- rescue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would be if I didn't know that, I'd be like, uh, I see where you're going. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Um, but I, I would also be curious, like how how would everyone feel about this today? Thirty years later, um, and I know that um, uh, that the the writer of this, uh, that Evan Summers, uh, there was some there were some rewrites as a part of this that he wasn't a fan of. So
1: we'll talk about that more when we get to the resolution because yeah. we'll talk about it.
0: Okay, so uh, Bashir then walks her back to her room, and they talk about a theoretical treatment that might help her walk. And she invites him back to her room and drops the gravity. She flies around, showing some pretty decent wire removal for the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they fly around, and he acts like there was no zero-gravity training in Starfleet at all. Like, he's never been in zero-G. Um, you know, but, but you know, it's, it's sometimes like you pretend like, Oh, oh, I don't know how to ice skate. Help me, hot lady. Even though I've been skating since forever. Uh, so I get it. Maybe that's what's happening. Because... It works, and they definitely do the zero-g nookie, uh, which I, I, I don't know. I, I imagine that might be a little difficult.
1: You know, they cut away artistically, <laughs> and so we, we'll <laughs> never know. We'll never know. Although well, it does never. seem practically that like, if it's just a matter of releasing the gravity— wouldn't it make a lot of sense for her to just be able to float around the station, like to take, turn the gravity off wherever she goes and just have other people weighed down? Or is it like – is it so low, the gravity, that it affects the bone density? Like that's what I'm not quite understanding because her, the, mm. the reactions of regular gravity on her are crippling, right? right. But the zero-g here doesn't affect – he only kind of floats. So it doesn't seem comm- commensurate.
0: Well, and it's, it's not quite zero gravity. It's just much less – much lower gravity but I mean think about it like if she goes to lunch and like walking down the promenade and people start floating away every time she walks by (laughs) like I think that would be a little difficult yeah I guess so she's like in the little bubble and you're just like hmm I love this cereal I guess I missed
1: it in the screenshots I don't know how but you know Bashir makes that kind of coy reference to the who's the dude in the picture and oh yes uh it's my favorite bad Photoshop I've maybe ever mm-hmm. seen on television.
0: No, and the and the guy who did it has is fully acknowledging it's bad. Yeah, <laughs> he's just like, look, it is what it is. Hey, look, Photoshop in 1993 is not like it is today, and the photoshopped pictures you see in TV and films today are terrible. Mm-hmm. I cannot understand why they're so bad. I could do better on my phone.
1: There, uh, there's a podcast I listen to. I can't. Re- I wish I could remember which one. I think it's a Slash Filmcast. They do a whole riff on that because it's just they're like as multi-gajillion-dollar, uh, you know, CG being used, and yet nobody can f- bad good Photoshop a family picture on the on the mantle.
0: It's astounding. Yeah. It's everywhere. It's universal, regardless yeah. of the budget of the thing. It's I don't understand it. Anyway, so uh, the next day, Malora and Dax are on a mission to the Gamma Quadrant. And they listen to Vulcan music, which sounds like me improvising on a Casio. And uh, hold on, while while you make your comment, I'm going to. No, improvise Mike, I'm just saying. In
1: my patrons will my know Casio. that patrons will know on my uh, watch along that the score stuck out so weirdly to me here. It was like,
0: oh wait, no guitar, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very similar to that. I, I think it's actually even in that key because I I was like while I was watching it when played with it and I think it was I just guessed C minor and I was right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and it's just like your your digital guitar on your on your piano. It's so silly. Uh yeah, so the the music that they do approximating other cultures' music sometimes is really good. I think this is a very bad example of yeah. it. Just a very lazy example of it. And the composers on the show are fantastic. I don't know why they wouldn't have thought of something more interesting than that. It was weird. It, it was weird. And, it, and, and of course, it's all based on like our tonal scales. It's just like in a minor key. You think a, a whole nother galaxy would have different tonal scales, different Scale, I don't know, whatever.
1: But and it uh, also is not was not good. Forget that. It was also bad underscoring for girl talk.
0: For girl talk. Well, because Melora asks if Starfleet relationships could ever work. Dax says it hasn't worked for them in 150 years. But she says that they should never let species differences matter. Anything can be overcome, but the work might be harder. In subspace relationships. He points out like that that there are some that don't even breathe the same air. And you can make that work, but subspace, you don't want a long distance relationship.
1: I'll take, you know, subspace relationship has got a nice little ring to it, but there's a such clunky dialogue in this because they try to they really try to work in. Can you do you remember it off the top of your head, what they say? I don't. Love through light years. They have Dax go, oh. Love through light years. Sounds difficult, uh, and I'm just like, Bloor.
0: not good. Uh, no, but it's a great subtitle for your uh, for your, your your soft cover <laughs> yeah. romance novel set on Deep Space Nine. Absolutely,
1: <laughs> Keith. Where's Renee?
0: Uh, well, let me tell you, he is back from vacation, and he is in his room. I, I bet Renee was filming something because they wrote him out for a couple of episodes here. Uh, but uh, so Quark goes for help. With oh, this Handleface. This was also
1: when we sorry, Girl Talk was also when we had our Little Mermaid reference that we
0: talked about. Oh time. yes, where we, we mentioned the Little Mermaid. Yep. Uh yeah. So uh Quark goes to help with Handleface. Turns out that he spent eight years in prison for a crime that he and Quark did together, and that Quark naturally sold him out. Odo is not particularly sympathetic, of course, but he will do his job. So we cut to – so this this b story is sort of going nowhere at this point uh, well it's
1: it's it's an ends looking for some means because we know we I, need the guy for the end but
0: <laughs> we, we need a guy for the end and for the rest of it it's it's the uh it's the episode in search of eight minutes of filler so uh he go here
1: or has is is quark's makeup has gotten has his whole it's gotten better seems like it's gotten more specific or that could just be
0: the h d here I think it might just be the HD, Uh Looks it might so not be. Awesome. We, should, we should do. You know, I mean, it's phenomenal makeup. Like it's so good, so detailed, and because it's you, you have the prosthetics obviously that they glue to his face, and then they have to paint over them every what single. What do you think the top of the day. head
1: stuff is? I feel this way for the Klingons too. Is that like a a a a, a, pl- a piece they put on top too, like a head piece, kind of, mm-hmm. and then they paint in?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a. the the whole piece I I think they do it in a bunch of different layers but Mm -hmm. he's got the the nose, the face the teeth, the ears and then the head goober that goes on the top of that like uh, I mean it's hours in the chair every single day Uh, both putting it on and taking it off Like, it is a real commitment when you're playing it uh, and then they're
1: going to work the makeup all all underneath his collar and stuff which is why they're always wearing tight collars
0: yep All the way down, and their hands, and that's why you don't see their hands very often. Uh, it's a its a lot, a lot of work. Um, so uh, we go to the infirmary, and Bashir has modeled a way to help Melora walk normally. And she is excited. <laughs> so we go to Act 4, and Handleface has been summoned to Odo's office. Odo says they have something in common. They both don't like cork. But... He won't let him kill him. He uh, walks like a murderer, or, or he—he he, yeah—he walks like a murderer. Looks like a chicken. That's what I wrote down there. It's like handle face, chicken face, uh, upside down dick and and butt. It's there's a, a lot going on there. I love when we see the promenade. I love the screenshot. It always looks so cool. Oh man, I I want one of those. Mm-hmm. That'd be fun. Uh, so Odo tells Quark. That he'll watch as best as he can, and gives Quark a communicator, Um, which you know, as we talked about, the uh, that's how they can track him online and communicate. But doesn't Quark have a flip phone at least? Like, don't don't they have a way of tracking Quark? And Quark has some way of communicating with other people because I I think Quark frequently will call without having to. I don't know. It, it was weird. It's weird, and this whole scene because of that communicator
1: is sort of like a weird uh red herring because you keep waiting for that to mean something. Like
0: but the, the communicator, yeah, totally.
1: But it, it doesn't come back.
0: Well, that's because uh we have 46 minutes, right? Yeah. And uh the, the Malora story ended up only being 28. So we've yeah. gotta we gotta add multiple scenes that basically just restate the thing we already know about. So we uh Oh, but, but this, it, it does get a good, yeah. Odo does have a good line here. And, uh, so like, Quirk's like, what happens if, if I die? Uh, I'll sell your bits. I'll, I'll buy a piece of you yeah. when you die, which I thought was funny and a nice piece of little, uh, uh, Ferengi lore. So we go to the infirmary and Bashir and Melora flirt over treatments. And then she wiggles her toes. It's working. The treatment is working and they're gonna do it again. And on Ops, Melora and Bashir strut in post-coital, obviously. The treatment is continues to work, uh, but then she tires a bit. He explains that each treatment uh, that they do will make it last longer, but that she can't use the lower gravity now. There's the catch that I feel like we probably would have talked about before we started the treatments. But she does say, like, you told me, but we just didn't tell the audience that. So uh, we go late. Quark arrives at his quarters and is assaulted by Handleface Chicken. Quark offers him the latinum from his first deal that we saw at the beginning with Rat Guy and COVID Elbow that's nice, uh, yeah. in exchange for his life. So at least that sort of makes sense where he got his money. Yeah, and this guy's totally trustworthy. He'll definitely adhere to the deal, so that's No, good. totally. No, yeah. no. All, all this seems totally upfront. Well, that's another
1: example of Quark should know that, but— I- he he gets blinded by the deal which you would think he wouldn't cuz you think his
0: business sense would match his instincts but i mean i i love quark and quark's character so much but his th- there's two things one his iq and two his level of malevolence mm. uh fluctuates r- wildly yeah. from episode to episode uh and this one he is dumb dumb quark so, uh, in the infirmary, in Act 5, Melora continues the treatment, but she asks when the treatment becomes irreversible. She doesn't feel like herself. She'll have to give up the low-gravity environment, and which he says because they don't want to confuse the body with sometimes being in low... I, uh, the here is here could, could have used a
1: little more specificity because it... <sighs> And like, how invasive is this procedure? For at the in the beginning, it's very it's very reverse, reversible,
0: but like then it's not. It, it. But and and why with with the amazing technology he's using here? Why it, it doesn't make sense to me that it wouldn't be able to be in low gravity environments. Like, but hold on. We're you, able to be in low-gravity environments. Our bodies are are confused in a way that's going to do harm to that us. That brings me back to my initial complaint with the chair. She clearly has a suit, right?
1: Like a the suit. So you're telling me that it's easier to do a surgery that will make you totally have no – like adapt to our gravity. I'll say it that right. way. That's easier than just build a suit that does the same thing correctly?
0: You would think that that would be a pretty easy thing to do in this uh, in this day and age with this type of technology. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, look, it's an allegory. We're we're doing yeah, flowers know, of Malibu, know, and That's what we're doing. Yeah. We got it. We just got to we just got to roll with it. But yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense.
1: But if that's the analogy, and I guess I'll just plant this for my dissection later. Yeah. Then the scene we are missing because they they gave us great backstory for for Bashir, but then the scene we're missing is. Why is her home world this beautiful place? She's like, I, because all the dialogue we hear from her is, is her, from as even when she was little, she wanted to go out and explore and, and, and work for, you know, and do this work and and be, you know. Right. But we don't get the scene where it's like, I love my brother and I love going back home and, and the freedom to fly. and, the, and why, Because her big reason for not wanting to do it later is because she can never go home again. But we haven't heard the importance of a home. So it just feels like that mm. that is missing for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, she makes oblique reference to it, but you're right. There's there's no—it's it's not really leaned on. Well, because uh,
1: and if we bring it back to the Little Mermaid, she gets her—you know, like, little, little Mermaid does the deal, right? Yeah, and I, I don't—and <laughs> I, I, I think that's a terrible message. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, she gave up her voice. She gets the legs. I mean, luckily at the end, because magic and love— she gets her voice back and gets to have her legs, but she
0: don't ever go back to the sea. Yeah, which 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 is a terrible <laughs> message for a children's movie.
1: Well, yeah, that's not what we're talking if, about. But if
0: you love a man enough, you can change for him. Yeah, just give a witch octopus your voice. Give up your entire family and never go back. Like basically give up the one thing abducted. that makes you
1: special and unique, and your entire existence and family.
0: Yeah, yeah, just just give up all of that so you can be a basic lady. All right, so <laughs> can't sing. Yeah, All right. uh, Anyway, we're talking. Uh, like, what does he even like about her?
1: I, I, I don't. Yeah, Anyways, she's but, just, she's, just, she's just like a mute. mute. <laughs> <laughs> not that you can't find love as a mute, but you know, no, of course
0: not. Like, but he he's with her for like five minutes, basically. Like, she's hot. Mm-hmm. End of story. Well, she <laughs> did save his life. We're talking about the little mermaid right now. Okay, moving forward. <laughs> So uh, Malora asks when she can, uh, when the treatments become irreversible. Uh, he says the effects are reversible for the next few days, but then she has to make the call. So we head back to the runabout, and Malora and Dax continue the survey. She explains that she's continuing to have second thoughts, and that she can't really ever go home again now. This is when they discuss the Little Mermaid, just like we did. Meanwhile, Quark does the deal with Mole Man and Handleface. But of course, Handleface pulls a phaser and wants to steal the bracelets too. He shoots Mole Man and heads off for the airlock. And that we discover somehow Odo was not the bag. I kept saying, I was like, where's he gonna degoo? Where's he degooing? Nope. No, because he was like, no, I'm just gonna let this play out. I don't, I have other things to do. But like, of course he's the ha- he's gotta be the bag. He's always the bag. Anyway, Handleface takes Quark, Dax, and Malora hostage, and uh, takes over the runabout. Cisco and Kira are able to trap the runabout in a tractor beam. Then uh Handleface shoots Malora, and we see the runabout has a very useful uh multiple camera angles for zoom, and it knows just where to uh to frame the shot and to switch cameras. I, I guess you know Look at that uh, post. Isn't that a cool post effect? Oh, it's very cool. It's very simple, but it but it looks great. And I mean I, I I love the ring around the mm-hmm. uh the view screen there. Um but you know what I guess because I, I, I always get really thrown on Star Trek when their zoom screen zooms in the camera moves, they switch cameras, and that threw me a lot more before even today now cameras will auto-follow you. Yep. I mean and and uh so I guess they were ahead of the techno. I mean, obviously, convenience. They just showed the footage they had they took for other things, just projected it on the screen. So they didn't. I don't think they intended it that to be the technology, but it ends up like, yeah, no, of course that's that's very much doable. So I take it back. All the times I wondered about that, uh, because that's a that's now within our wheelhouse. Also, this crime makes
1: no sense to me. If we're being honest, he got all this latinum, and then, for the extra bit of keeping the bracelet, he now has to take hostages, murder people, and steal a runabout. When in reality, he could have just taken the bars of Latinum, gotten out, and then exited
0: Deep Space Nine with no ill effects. But Mike, he's an angry chicken penis face. That's true. You know, I, he has to, he, you know, that is his nature. Keith, I'll, I'm
1: not ashamed to admit that often I underestimate the anger of a chicken penis face.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, chicken penis faces gonna be chicken penis faces. Yeah, you know, it's it, chicken, got... penis a chicken penis
1: face gonna so. chicken penis face.
0: That's right, that's right, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, then uh, Cisco, Bashir, and O'Brien beam onto the other runabout to make chase, and they both head through the wormhole. Remember the wormhole? Yeah, yeah. We kind of forgot that there was a whole wormhole here. I, I feel like uh, season one and two are just like. Yeah, we have this thing. It's going to be the defining thing of the series. Oh, wait, we forgot to do anything with it.
1: Also, man, I'm going to say this on the internet. Yeah. As I was watching last night, I realized that like when 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 the wormhole opens and like shoots a ship out one time in an episode, it's cool, it's sci-fi. If it happens multiple times back to back, it
0: starts to get gross. Well, you you, you wonder what the wormhole ate. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe maybe had something too spicy. We don't the night often before. get to travel through the wormhole, though. It's pretty cool. No, I mean that looks that looks great. Um, yeah. Uh, after they travel through for no particular reason, uh, other than he's trying to make a getaway, um, but a getaway to an entirely different quadrant. So so, uh, a Chicken Penis Face is like, I want this extra bracelets so much. I want to leave my quadrant permanently everyone i've ever known Mm -hmm. all of my family my friends my enemies anybody who uses latinum as a currency
1: yeah yeah like i was gonna say i hope that the latinum like means anything to the chicken penis faces over there and the but there are
0: no chicken penis faces so he's i mean i guess i guess chicken penis faces be solitary as well so anyway it doesn't make a lot of sense uh but melora wakes up as the chase begins dax and quark try to negotiate for a while while Melora drops the gravity, and then attacks Chicken Penis Face, they won. And I would Quark's, say that
1: this this wire effect was less effective.
0: Uh, yeah, no, it was. It, what you're looking for is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like, should runabouts have a button you can just like boop and just delete the gravity on it? She, I think she pressed like three buttons, like always, th- like Control Alt Delete for removing gravity.
1: Yeah, I don't know, maybe we'll talk about it later, or maybe this is the time, you tell me. But, like, as a writer, mm-hmm. is the effective resolution here to have her subdue the bad guy physically or have her do it through more unique, have to, like, you know what I mean? Like, the whole point, the whole episode is sort of about her limitations, and 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 that's the point we're making, right? Or that's what we're, we're kind of exploring, but it, yet they make her hero moment be physically based,
0: Oh no! I I actually I, I agree very much with what they did okay. here. The execution wasn't great, but because what you're showing here is that the differences are not liabilities all the time. They could also be assets. Mm, okay. Her her different abilities are an asset in this in this case, and everyone else's dependence on gravity is a liability. So. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's the story they're trying to tell there. I think they could have told it in a much more interesting and much more exciting way.
1: Yeah, because it's still deus machina style because she can hit the button to make the gravity go away. There, there well, could have been a more unique
0: should, way to have the gravity be released. Well, it shouldn't have happened in a split second. Also the right? pacing. The pacing was it, wrong. It, it, it should have been, you know, I'd love to have the last whole three minutes, like they're they're trapped. He's, he's, he's taken hostages on the station or whatever, and she drops the gravity, and they have a whole three-minute sequence where he can't, you can't figure out what to do and she's like yeah, using the Yeah, or they're in an airlock or something. They, they don't and for have the budget some reason
1: for they release the air in the airlock, which creates a z zero G environment and blah blah blah. There's there was yeah, a more like unique if, way to do it. it.
0: I I think it's a budgetary thing. Yeah. Right. Because if you had unlimited budget, then she could be bouncing all over the promenade and she's like and so she has like a superpower now. She's like a superhero and has the ability to, to fly around while he's like like trying to reach for a handle. And yeah. like that would be cool. That'd be a much They're better to way. They use that
1: money on the zero g nookie.
0: Yeah, that's right. So if you if you have to make one, have to have have to have one, it's going to be Bashir getting some. Mm-hmm. So uh anyway, yes, I think that could have been done much better. So uh we're resolved here. Yay, we got chicken penis face. We got him. So we go back to the Klingon restaurant and we find out that one the treatments that they were doing saved her from the phaser. Which is why she didn't die. And two, she doesn't want them anymore because she wouldn't be herself. Which I think is a I, I like that. I think that I think that's the correct resolution. They uh they fixed the end of Little Mermaid and let her continue to be herself. And the Klingon sings to them as they realize the love affair is done, or at least paused, because she must go back onto her next. Assignment. That actress definitely was like looking at the script in her trailer, being like,
1: "I was really hoping that we could like be ambiguously stay together, so that maybe I could be coming back." But if this does this feels
0: like a goodbye? These lines. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think it was intended to be a full. I mean, they kept the flying rig up for five years. Yeah. They they just I think they've realized that nobody liked the episode, and they're like, nah. Uh But they kept the flying rig all that time, so. Uh, and then of course he's playing an electric violin mm-hmm. for 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 a, a a very good musician he doesn't do a great fake violin and I I say that uh for being a professional uh, professional musician who played a fake violin uh every night in a show and did it horribly badly uh which is I weird just love because this
1: extra on the bottom left there who is for all time, being like, yo, not only am I an extra on Deep Space Nine, but they focused me. I'm just in yes. focus next to this giant Klingon. So, And
0: I am in love with this Klingon. Mm-hmm. Like, this is working. I don't I do. know. She's she's like, oh, let's see if we can drop the gravity here and get, get with the uh, the Klingon and the uh, electric violin. So uh, that is the uh, sort of melancholy ending to Maloria. And now it is time to do some Vocabularia in our segment. And now it's time for Mike and Deglio's Star Trek vocabulary quiz. Okay, Uh, Mike, I want both what is it and how? what type of seasoning would you use on your racht? Well, my racht is best
1: served alive, Keith. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can get it at the nearest bait shop because it's just worms.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. so... No, no, no. That's gach. Uh, ah. Yeah, well. You, yeah, fail. Yeah. Ding, ding, <laughs> brr. Was there yeah. a sec- What was the other part of the question? It, it, it just, what, how would you season your rocked Oh, Frank's red hot. Frank's red fra- Ooh, I think that's a good call. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and your gach is is the worms. that 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 is the worms that they very, uh, very, very cleverly swap out the, uh, the, the gummy worms, mm-hmm. which I, I just so, I just so happen, oh, to have some look yeah, at this. right here. Ooh, ooh, I'll eat it, I'll eat it live. Uh, and of course, your last word is Zimka. <laughs> really, you really went for it in this
1: one. It's Klingon. You gotta do it. Um, that is the type of easy elevator jazz music that uh, you can enjoy on uh, serious XM radio in your runabout. Uh, that's where you enjoy uh, the dulcet tones of Kenny G and his soprano sax playing magach.
0: And, of course, next up on the playlist is "Le Poisson, sung by <laughs> René Aubergenois. All right, Mike, I think it's time to come along home Yeah, what let's you get say? us out of here. I'll tell you what it's time for. Time for me to chew my gach faster during the bumper. Yeah, probably. So maybe you should start with your wormhole in the plot while I do this.
1: Yeah, for me, I know it's silly, but I can't get over the technical inconsistency. We should be able to help this person without, like, the need for a 19th century wheelchair. And she's got a bionic suit, but it doesn't work at all? Like, I don't quite yeah, understand like the suit at all. Um I also, so that's my biggest wormhole in the plot. Also, I would have, like I had said to Keith, the the plot hole for me is she talked about how she's sort of a a trailblazer and this intrepid explorer, but yet we don't get the affinity for home that would make her want to need to go back there. Because I, I mean, I guess I understand making the point of she doesn't want to, Change, but it didn't seem like it he was trying to change, it was going to change her as much as it was just adapting her to be able to fulfill her. I mean, well, I get it, I, I, I did get not it. Not being able to go home again. Like
0: that's a big deal.
1: Yeah, but not if you like don't go home anyway. Not if you. I mean, if you're traveling through the wormhole and doing all this stuff, like it, it's your career is taking you away from. I, I get it. I mean, I get the point they're making, so I'm not going to make a big deal about it. But uh, I think for me, the wormhole just because
0: you hate your family doesn't mean that just, everybody does. Give
1: me the give me the surgery and get me out of here. Um, uh, I have an excuse not to yeah, go home for Christmas. So that's Hell it. yes. For me, the wormhole is just like the the the, the medical the lack of any sort of actual progression that would, this doesn't seem like a hard problem to overcome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. no I, problem.
1: Not that it's a problem. I don't know. I'm stepping all over
0: myself here, but yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think that the, um, all of the technological or medical gravitational questions are all kind of messy, and murky and convenient. Um, and I I don't think that it helps us, even with the story that you're ostensibly trying to tell, right? You're, you know, I love the fact that we're calling attention to, you know, to different abilities having an effect and, and why that would still be playing out in the future. And I don't mind doing a Flowers for Algernon thing. I think that's great too. But I think just the execution of the logic behind it hampered all of the storytelling and like it just it was convenient to the point where you lacked you lost credibility in the, your storytelling mm-hmm. so we didn't necessarily care um you know and the same thing in terms of wormholes you, you know, know with the with the chicken penis face it it didn't make any sense right his his I get you want to steal stuff at the end right but like your exit plan was to steal a Federation runabout and go through the wormhole. That doesn't make any sense. That's that's not a a robbery gone wrong where he's like I'm desperate. Like that was just that was his plan. That kind of plan does that. It, the whole thing, and he just wasn't menacing and blah blah blah. We'll 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 get to the uh, the uh, stem bolts, but first we have to do best moment.
1: Sure. Yeah. I think for me, I think I talked about it when it happened. My best moment was that one of that the all the the initial dialogue between Bashir and Malora in her quarters because it it called out the thing that it flipped the script a little bit on on the trope we see a lot we often see the 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 person the the person involved portraying the character study uh, feeling f- feeling the need to be defensive or indignant uh, uh to to to, pres- to protect themselves to stand up for themselves but rarely do we get the the portrayal of the opposing side who is actually calling them out on that and exploring why they're feeling that way and showing empathy and and using that as a jumping point to an actual deeper conversation which is something unique you don't usually see that and yeah. I, I thought that that was actually that scene for me was the was the most interesting bit of the exploration. The idea of the sur- we can talk about this later also, but the the idea of the surgery and should she have it or she not have it, it's less interesting to me because we've done it, we've done it in allegory and in story before many times. The Little Mermaid, we, we've talked about those analogies yeah. on this this podcast. So the the more kind of dialogue moments, that moment in particular, were my favorite bits, um, because. Outside of that, they don't actually give her a foil, right? They don't really... There's nobody who on the ship who is ableist and is... Right. E- e- to,
0: everyone genuinely is trying to do the right thing, which perhaps is a more interesting story to tell, even if there's less conflict. But yeah. yeah.
1: So anyway, that that scene, I think, for, was the most special for me. And it was a great performance. And it was an opportunity for... Um, I forget his name every time. Bashir, i Alex to, Siddick, yeah. Yeah, Alex Siddick, like, too. To, play a new have a more nuanced exchange you know what I mean it wasn't just I mean he got horny Bashir and we got giddy Bashir but this gave him a lot a much more human kind of yeah
0: grounded opportunity in a scene yeah and I, I think with the extra depth that we got for Bashir uh I, it earned my favorite moment I am fi- happy Bashir finally got some yeah he got he got some zero you know who else gr- was happy degree nookie who's that Dax yeah, and then the very oh next my. scene,
1: she's like, "Yeah, great, go for it, make it work." Yeah, please. Oh, great, great, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's gonna be great. Yeah, yeah do that, do that. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely, I uh, was like, yeah, and I, and I, I thought the 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 zero G stuff in her quarters looked cool, looked mm-hmm. pretty good, especially for '93 in that budget. So I was like, yeah, good for you. I'm happy for him. So yeah, let's 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 zoom out and give some self sealing stem bolts here, Mike. This is one
1: – in the 24 hours that I've kind of sat on it, it has, has not held up <laughs> very well <laughs> uh, in the 24 hours because initially uh, they got a lot of points for taking an issue episode and, and fl- flipping it a little bit, but looking at it through that sci-fi lens. But then the more you kind of really examine it – now, first things first, amazing portrayals. I thought it was a really compassionate um, performance by everybody really really thought that was excellent uh, all of the performances the problem is is in the writing be it through editing or be it through just the pacing there isn't a lot of there there in my opinion yeah. like there's it's a really it's a really beautiful eclair there's just no filling really on the inside right like the only real stakes for her was a decision at the end because yeah, I mean, she she trips over the the ledge, and so the people are oh the the they didn't give her a lot of conflict. The conflict was oh they they yep. made a lot of accommodations for me. I got to be mad about that. And then right. at the end, it seems like the surgery he was going to give her was reversible for a little while, and it wasn't painful, and it wasn't like a big decision. It, it's pretty easy to do. <laughs> uh, she they gave her the button for the gravity. It wasn't a It wasn't like a totally difficult lifestyle uh, adjustment. But then she decided not to do it, which is great. But it just didn't feel like the stakes were particularly high or there was a lot of there there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like not doing the thing definitely means you can't have a relation with him. Well, not really. That didn't seem to be the, the case either. It's just sort of wishy-washy in the point. So that is my disappointment with the main plot. And then the B-plot, as you mentioned, was clearly an ends to a means. Right, a means to an end. Whichever way you want to look at it, that character is introduced, supposed to be a big bad, but he looks goofy. He wasn't scary at all. No, and Quark doesn't even seem that afraid of him. Even though they try to make him look that way, but he's not really. He thinks he can appease him. His his whole plot doesn't make any sense. His plan doesn't make any sense. He gets what he wants, but then he elevates it for no reason. Uh and then he's shooting people, but nobody's actually ever hurt. Uh, the whole thing is just a little flimsy. So at the end of the day, Keith, mm. I'm gonna go 67 self-stealing symbol, self Yeah, 65.
0: 65. 65. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the, the one thought that I just want to say before I forget it, that half of this episode. I was definitely in 2022 eyes like, why did they not cast somebody who used a wheelchair in this part? Um, but, but of course, like she has to be able to get like part of the storytelling. She's able to, to recover or or have different abilities. So like, I get it, but I think that that would be, um, it's certainly a missed opportunity. It's a missed opportunity to cast somebody who lives this. And, and in, so that I think it would be handled differently today. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think I remember this. This is one of those episodes that I always remember it better than it is. Not in the sense of enjoying it, because I don't think I've ever really enjoyed this episode. Um, But remembering is like, oh yeah, you know what? I I remember that there wasn't a good episode, but like it, it brought up something important, and like I really liked that it addressed that in the Star Trek world. Um, But you know, again sort of like you you watch it you look a little closer and it really doesn't hold up well um just the it it feels like a a first draft where like you you pitch me this idea in 30 seconds I'm like hell yeah that's great then you pitch me the the 5 minute version and I'm like yeah and then like the full hour version I'm like oh no because it it never really goes anywhere if you're going to tell Uh, A flowers for an Algernon story. Okay, do that. Right, don't tack that on to this story about different abilities, which you don't really tell either. And then it's a love story, but it's not really a love story. And none of it really fleshes out or pays off or has any stakes, like you said. Yeah, and upon
1: upon viewing it, in my opinion, I'm interested to see what you think. Of all the things you just listed, because I think those are all the ideas, I think the love story has the most potential. I think there's something there's a there's a chemistry there there's a vibe that could have I would have been like if yeah. I'm
0: reading the first and, draft I'm like run with that but they don't well, and 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 nothing is tied to anything else right like the the love story and the and her and the and the or uh, the different ability isn't really it's 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 not a hamper to the love story the love story is not a hamper to that the the medic, you know the the medical thing is not tied to the love story the you know the starfleet thing starfleet's not kicking you out right nobody like everyone's trying to make it work so like that's so that it's not like she needs this treatment in order to be with Bashir or in order to stay in starfleet it's not so there so that nothing is tied to itself nothing has nothing elevates the stakes mm-hmm. right cuz if if she were having to make this decision in order to stay in starfleet or in order to be with Bashir or both right in order to, then it would, it would raise the stakes with everything, even if it was just emotional stakes. Yeah. None of it did. None of it had anything. Well, because, the, like you said, like I said,
1: what's it about? It, do the friends test, you know, the, the one about. Right. What's a, You would have to say the one about the, the lady in the wheelchair, but that's like not really what it's about.
0: Not really. It's it's more like table settings for a bunch of different things. And I know that they struggled with this in the writing process. So, I, you know, they they knew it wasn't that great when it was happening. You know, the Quark thing, God, what a waste of time. Oof. What an utter waste of time. Um, it was just not, he wasn't scary. He wasn't threatening. The story about why he was there wasn't interesting at all.
1: Yeah, but it didn't, like, and I'll ask you this then. Yeah. Once again, as a writer you know, you start every story from, well, what do I want to say, right? What do I, what is, when, when someone, when my when my reader or my listener or whoever, when the audience te- recites back the nougat of life yeah. that I want to
0: expose to them, what is it for this episode? Well, I, I think that's actually where it, I think it gets that part right. And that is, uh, the opposite story of The Little Mermaid. Don't change yourself. You know, don't compromise who you are to fit in to either uh, the Federation or for a man or a woman. And, And, like, remain who you are and use that as an advantage, not a disadvantage. Which is what she did at the end, and she remained... Like, so, that part of it, I was behind. It was just really just poorly executed and kind of boring leading up to it. So, uh, you know, the, the medical mystery wasn't interesting. He just solved it immediately. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to work so hard to try to make this thing happen. And then, like, she doesn't want it. And he's like, oh, God, I just did all this for you. And you want, like, there's so many opportunities See, that's bit- to tell to kick- a story I have to kick there. back a
1: little bit. I have to kick yeah. back a little
0: bit. Okay, kick back.
1: What you said is beautiful, but... But the, but they, but they don't help. They don't tell that story. She at no point was it was she given an ultimatum that in order to be to fulfill your dreams you have to do this surgery. No. Yeah. It was like you can. It it will help you out. It'll probably make it facilitate it being easier. But you don't have it, to.
0: It's totally up to you. But nobody cares. Yeah. So <laughs> I
1: mean, but I'm much more on board with the story you want to tell. Yeah. But I don't feel that this story is that story is told. Because she's yeah. never given Sophie's choice.
0: Right. And she like if she came in, she's like suing Starfleet to make this work. Yeah. Or and, and like, then there's okay, this implication at the end that,
1: like, oh, you have to, you can't be with Bashir because you're not going to do the surgery. But you're like, well, I know they don't say that explicitly, but it feels that way.
0: I, yeah, well, it's it's muddy. Yeah. It's muddy. And, and I think that's really the issue. It's just it's it's muddy and it's just not well done at all. Um well intended. I think the intention there was was great. And I like and and I love like I said the 32nd pitch I love including the 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 differences in gravity and how would that apply to all of these things mm-hmm. I love that and in Bashir invents a thing that's going to solve it but there's a catch okay great 32nd pitch I'm so in the 46 minute one less you get 62 self-sealing stem bolts cuz like I don't you know I skipped this episode and I will now continue to skip this episode, despite its well and good intentions. I don't
1: know that we say this enough. Do you disagree? If you disagree, yeah. we want to know about it. I mean, Please. maybe don't like call us names and stuff because that's nobody calls us names. Not on this show, but like, eh, somebody flipped us off this week, and it made me really upset it Hurt my feelings. Um,
0: you can't have feelings on the internet.
1: <laughs> I know. I, I I really like to read the comments and engage, but it's sometimes hard. Um, no, but seriously, did this did this episode affect you emotionally? Did it did it did it reach you in a way it didn't reach us? We'd love that input, and we're happy to uh, to have that dialogue on the comments. Leave them below.
0: Yes, indeed. And uh, and while you're there, if you care to, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com/slash K and M. It'll make Mike smile when he has his hurt feelings from being flipped off. <laughs> on uh, on on the YouTube comments, it happens. It's all right. Next week we will be discussing rules of acquisition, which is uh, we, we're going to get a Ferengi episode, Mike. You know they say uh, keep keep your enemies close, but your Ferengi's closer. Sure, that's uh, it. Does sound like something Odo would say. All right, well uh, we will see you back next week. Check out our look at my Star Trek toys show. And uh, we're, we're cooking up a new show. We'll be dropping in your feeds. So give us a like and subscribe. Till then, this has been Keith and Mike. Watch Deep Space Nine. Thank you for watching K&M Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash